0: Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope that this message from our senior leader, Brent Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure that you subscribe or visit our website at ennisbrook.co.nz for a service near you. You may be seated. It's a privilege to be sharing some thoughts in regards to Easter uh, with you this morning. And I hear the car park was... Well, the cars coming in was very full, um, uh, very uh, jam packed, all coming in all at the same time. I thought you would all come early this morning with daylight saving. You know, everyone turning up at nine o'clock. But funny there. Uh, Easter eggs. I just had that. That uh, what was it? What did we just get? Uh, Kit Kat. Just had a just had a Kit Kat, and. Um, the sugar's just rushing to my head just for a brief moment there. But uh, personally, I put my hand up for dark chocolate and for milk chocolate. I don't really, I personally don't really care just however it comes. I'll just eat it. Uh, when I was, uh, you know, uh, when I was working, uh, well, no, I'm still working. But when I was uh, doing my apprenticeship as an electronics technician, uh, I, you know, I was earning money so I could go and buy blocks of chocolate. And my girlfriend at the time, uh, she would find wrappers, wrappers of chocolate in the, the uh, little wee, you know, the, the pocket of the car, you know, the, what do you call it? The glove box, the glove box. The glove yeah. Box. I knew there was a name for it. Uh, in the glove box of the car and be like just wrapper after wrapper after wrapper. The, the, the girlfriend at the time was my wife, of course. but uh, <laughs> One girlfriend was enough for me. All right, Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. Let's, let's talk about Easter. Let's talk about what this means for us. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1 begins an incredible story. Uh, Jesus had died on the cross. he had risen again. He'd gone b- back to heaven. He'd left with us His Holy Spirit. And uh, a little while down the track, a guy by the name of Saul uh, turns up, who's a Christian killer. And in Acts chapter 9, it says, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's what they, uh, what Christians were called at that time. They were called at the way, people of the way. Uh, and he said, if, if, if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Then a, so, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice t- say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied. You know, even today, that was that was a long time ago, but even today, people like Saul, when in discussion about Jesus Christ, are often asking the question, Who is He? Who is this Jesus? That one particular day when Saul, who was persecuting Christians, was on that road to Damascus and that blinding light came and he fell down. The first question that Saul asked was, who are you, Lord? Who is Jesus? You know, I've always wondered this thing of trying to understand, why is it we can't seem to escape Him? Why is it that His name is so prevalent, so prevalent in our workplaces. His name is so prevalent in our movies and in our TV programs. Have you ever wondered why? We never ever hear the word Muhammad. We never ever hear the word Buddha. Uh, Particularly in emphasising a particular moment in a movie or a TV program or at work or wherever, right? But Jesus Christ is the most widely used name in the world in every language. You know, they take His name out of the schools, but nearly every kid uses His name anyway. We just can't escape it. They take the name of Jesus out of Parliament and still the name of Jesus echoes through the Parliament hallways and the Parliament offices. Now I'm not condoning that we should use the Lord's name in vain. But I would ask, what is it about this man who was born so long ago? Why is He still in our conscience? Why is He still in our mind? We cannot escape Jesus. Who is He? Who is this Jesus? And who do you say that He is? Is He just a revolutionary kind of hero? Or is it actually something more? You know, when we read of him on this planet, you know, when he was on this earth, (laughs) he was only here for 33 years. He only travelled no more than a hundred miles. He never had any formal education. And yet over the last 2000 years, entire generations have and are talking about Jesus Christ. Now, some say that he was a madman. Some of the people of his day said he was mad. He was a, a maniac. Well, was he? There were others that said, well, maybe, maybe Jesus is a, a revolutionary. He'd come to lead a, a revolution. Was he a revolutionary? Well, in the sense that he changed people's lives, he certainly was. But he never led a revolution against Rome. He never led a revolution against the existing authorities, as a matter of fact, some of them tried to to get Him to, (laughs) some of them even thought that He was going to, but when they found out that He was simply building a spiritual kingdom, they were no longer interested in Him. And then there are some people that say that Jesus was the first hippie. Because He had long hair, He wore what we call today Jesus' sandals, went around with His disciples in a bit of a commune. You know, actually, actually we we don't really know what He looked like. You know that. Uh, In fact, I was talking to someone just during the week who thought that Jesus had blue eyes. I said, well, we don't even know that. Middle Eastern with blue eyes, kind of doesn't cut it all that well. We don't know whether He had a beard or whether a long beard, short beard, we're not, we don't know. But every picture that we have seen, right, that's been painted has simply been the artist's impression. It's probably probable that he had long hair. That was the style in those days. But we just do not have a picture of Jesus. God did that purposely. Why? So that we would not be worshipping an image. Because God is a spirit and must be worshipped in spirit. And then there were people who simply thought that He was deliberately evil, that He was an evil man, that He was a devil. Who was He? Jesus Christ. Who are you? Who is Jesus? We can't escape Him. We try to run from Him, but there He is. He keeps popping up everywhere. Our greatest philosophers wrote about Him. Our greatest historians wrote about Him. Our greatest poems and plays and movies are about Him. Our greatest architecture is about Him. We can't escape Him. Well, I can share with you this morning some things that we do know about Jesus. First up, we know He was a man. Jesus was completely human. He was representative of man. We know that he was hungry. We know he got thirsty. We know he, 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 he got tired. Uh, we know that he had the joys of friendship. We know that he even wept at the tomb of a dead loved one. We know that he had all the characteristics of a man. And yet very interestingly, the Bible says that he never committed a sin. In fact, he stood in front of people of his generation And they said, have have any of you ever seen me commit a sin? And they couldn't say a thing. They could find no fault in Him. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something for a man to come along, 33 years of age, and say, who of you here have ever seen me commit a sin? Boy, I tell you what, if I jumped up and said that, asked that question, I'm sure many would jump up and say, I have. Because... Because we're all sinners. We are all sinners. We are all sinners. But Jesus never sinned. He went through every temptation that you've ever been through. There isn't a trial or a testing or a temptation that Jesus has never not been faced with. And He resisted them and He overcame them all. He was a man just like you men in this room today. But He was more than that. He claimed to be the unique only begotten incarnate Son of God. In fact, He claimed pre-existence, that He existed before time began. The Scripture says that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. Before time began, He existed. Even before Abraham was, was, He said, I am. I am in eternal existence. No wonder they got angry. No wonder they threw stones at Him. No wonder they tried to kill Him. And no wonder they eventually did crucify Him. He stood up and He said, I am God. I am God. Was He? Was He who that He claimed to be? The Son of the living God. One day He asked His disciples, He said, Who do people say that I am? And Peter replied, he said, well, some of them say you're John the Baptist uh, or you're Jeremiah, you know, like come back kind of thing. You're, you're Elijah or, or, uh, or just one of the prophets. Jesus then turns to Peter and says, well, Peter, I'm actually interested in what you say. Who do you say that I am, Peter. And Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus turns to him and says, Peter, that's amazing. You couldn't have thought that up on your own. You would have had to have had a revelation from God for that. You would have had to have heard God say something or do something in your life to even get that, that I am the Son of God. It's been revealed to you by God, Peter. Jesus Christ claimed to be the Son of the living God. And you know, at His birth, that wasn't the beginning. That wasn't the origin of Jesus. He always existed. From everlasting to everlasting, He is God. The Bible says "And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, the eternal God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and lived like a man among us. That's what the Bible teaches. And when you come to Jesus Christ, you have to accept that. He wasn't just another revolutionary. He wasn't just another hippie. He was not just another great man. He was God in the flesh. And all the ethics, the amazing ethics that He taught that blew people away. Ethics like when you get hit on one side of the cheek, (laughs) turn the other cheek. He taught people to forgive. He brought forgiveness into a place where there was no forgiveness. And He said, you can forgive. Learn to forgive. Or how many times, Jesus? 70 times seven, 70 times seven. I was just doing calculations right then, I couldn't quite make it. That's a lot. He taught a revolution in the way we were to live. He taught us that it wasn't just our outward actions that God judges, but it's the inward thoughts and the intents of our heart. Jesus said, you know, hey, Moses said that in the 10 commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say that even if you look on a woman to lust after, you've already committed adultery. Jesus said, Moses said, Thou shalt not murder, but I tell you, if you have hate in your heart against your brother without cause, you're already guilty. He lifted ethics to the highest plane and he demanded that we live that kind of a life. Jesus said, He, he went on to say, He said, Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and thefts and blasphemies. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart. And that's gotta be changed. And that's why Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be converted. You must have a new beginning and He can do it. Jesus Christ, are you what you say you are? You know, three charges against Him to crucify Him. One, they said, this man loves sinners. That was the one charge. The second one was, he healed on the Sabbath day. And the third charge, he claimed to be the Son of God. Was he the Son of God? Well, look at his authority. Jesus came to them and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me. I know one thing, he forgave sin. And no prophet had ever done that before. He said, your sins are forgiven. Not only did He have authority to forgive sin, He had authority over nature. One night, there was, He was in a storm. They were in a boat. The disciples were kind of like trying to manage the boat in this particular storm. Jesus is asleep in the boat and He stands up and He says, peace, be still. What happens? The lightning quit its flashing, the thunder quit its roaring, the rain ceased to fall, and the wind quietened down, and the sea quietened down. Nature was obeying him. He had power. He had authority over nature. Jesus could, start, Jesus could take a storm like that and turn it around. You could take the lightning throw it back into the cloud. <laughs> he has power over nature. Why? Because he's the God of nature. Those are His laws. They are obeying Him. Not only authority to forgive sin, not only authority over nature, but He had authority over disease. Jesus made the blind to see. He made the deaf to hear. He made the lame to walk. He made the mute to talk. He raised the dead not only did He have authority to forgive sin, He had authority over nature, not only authority over nature, not only authority over disease, but He had authority over demons. Brent, you believe in demons? Absolutely. And Jesus confronted demons time after time and He could cast them out and people that were insane under the power of demonic activity would regain their sanity. And then look at His death. Never a man had died like Jesus died. The lightning flashed, the thunder roared, and the earth began to shake. And even the soldiers confessed that this must be the Son of God. The soldiers who were keeping guard, making sure the disciples didn't come and steal His body. Even they said, surely this must be the Son of God. You know, they, they took off his before, before He went to the cross, they took off His clothes, they, they whipped Him with steel pellets or lead pellets on the end of those whips and beat Him across the back until He could hardly stand up. Then they put a crown of thorns on His brow and His face was bleeding and they laughed at Him and they spat on Him and they mocked Him. And did you know, with one snap of the fingers, He could have commanded 72,000 angels ready to come and rescue and wipe this planet out of existence from the universe. John 26, 53 tells us that. And Jesus said, no, to this end, I was born. And He dragged and He lifted and He hauled that cross. And to that cross, they nailed Him. They put the nails in his hands, and while they were putting the nails in his hands, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Could you forgive somebody who was putting nails in your hands and you knew you didn't deserve it? He didn't squirm, he didn't yell, he didn't scream, he just took it and said, Lord, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And then on the cross, he drops his head. And he said these very, very powerful, powerful words. It is finished. What did he mean when he said that? He meant, God, your plan of salvation is finally come. God can now forgive you of all your sins because Jesus had finished God's plan for your salvation. And on that cross, Jesus had the capacity to think of you and He loved you enough to stay on the cross. Was there ever such a love as that? When He could have been rescued and taken back to heaven and sat on on His throne, but He didn't. He said, no, I'm doing it for the joy that is set before me, He said, there would be a gathering of the generations to come of a people of His name that would make up His body called the church. He saw the day when we would reign with Him in His kingdom. They took Him off the cross and they laid Him in in a tomb. That was Friday. We've had Friday. That was two days ago. It's gone. Sunday is here. And on Sunday morning, they ran to the tomb and they heard the greatest news the world had ever known or had ever heard. And it was this, He is not here. For He is risen. For He is alive today. Jesus Christ is alive. And if He's not risen from the dead If He's not alive, then there is no such thing as Christianity. And if He hadn't risen from the dead, we would have given up on this 2,000 years ago. You know, if if I had no proof whatsoever, no scientific proof that Jesus ever lived, I would still trust Him because of what He's done for me. The joy, the peace, the security, and the love, that He's given to me, His grace, that is mine today. And then the satisfaction that He gives to those who have trusted Him. Who are you, Lord? Jesus Christ, are you truly who you say you are? And this is the question that every one of us today need to answer. Who is Jesus? If Jesus claimed to be God, knowing He wasn't God, then He's a liar, He's a fraud, He's a hoax, and He's the biggest fraud in the history of all of mankind. Or if Jesus thought He was God and did not know the difference, then He desperately needed some, uh, some help mentally, right? But the other alternative is that He is who He claims to be, God in the flesh. And I believe that the evidence is so overwhelming that he, that he is who He claims to be, the Son of the living God. I might not be able to prove it scientifically, but I can prove it by the lives of those that He transforms every single day. I can prove it because in my heart, I don't just say, I think. I don't just say, well, I hope. I know, I know, I know. And you know, there's a whole nother element in our lives that we don't think much about, and that's the element of faith. Did you know you think of faith? You think of the faith that you have to have every single day. Think about that. You have to have faith that your wife didn't put poison in your coffee this morning. You have to have faith in her. She might've felt like putting uh, poison in the coffee, but she didn't, right? You have to have faith in the bank. When you deposit your hard-earned money, you have money in the bank. You have to have faith that the bank is going to honour what's in your bank account, right? Faith, faith, faith. Everything. When you sat on that chair, you had to have faith that would keep you sitting upright. You probably hadn't, Some of you probably have never sat in that chair before. I don't even. I didn't see anyone look at it, hold it, check with their, You know, check underneath it, make sure it was going to hold you. By faith, you just sat down on it. You had faith that people wouldn't build a chair that wouldn't hold you, true? See, everything we do is by faith, right? Okay, now take that same faith and put it in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Saviour and you will know who Jesus is. You accept Him by faith and He comes into your life, He comes into your heart and you know that He's who He claims to be. For years, people had taken note of the great sufferers in Africa. People suspected that there was some kind of religious motive or background and they looked at Bono's lyrics for for hints. But uh, recent reports a little while ago saying, you know, when people say Jesus is a good teacher or He's a prophet or He's just a really nice guy, He says, this is not how Jesus thought of Himself. So you're left with a challenge in that. Either Jesus was who He said He was or a complete and utter nutcase. This is Bono speaking. Or a complete and utter nutcase. And He goes on and says, but I believe Jesus was the Son of God. On that Damascus road that I mentioned just a moment ago, Saul asking, who are you, Lord? And then he asked him another question. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And Jesus said, I want you to arise and go. Here's what I'm gonna ask you today. Something a little bit different. I'm gonna ask you to arise and I'm gonna ask you to come to Him. We've got a cross right here. Pretty awesome, eh? The cross. Right, we could do hands up and, you know, people responding and hands up and all that, but I'm gonna ask you to come out and come to the cross. Come up the front here and just come to the cross. Jesus, the Son of God. What do you wanna do with Him? What, could, what, what do you wanna do with that? I'm asking you today to arise and come to Him. Some of you can ridicule, some of you can reject Him. Some of you can put it off and say, well, I'm gonna wait till another time. Or you can accept Him today as your Lord and your Saviour and your Master and the Son of God. And He will come into your heart. He will forgive you of your sin and He will change your life. He will change your life. In fact, if you're going to go to heaven, the Bible teaches us that you, to get to heaven, you gotta receive Him. If you're going to have your sins forgiven, you have to receive Him. And I'm going to ask you to do it today. I'm going to ask you to do it. I know it's a bit public. I know it's not little little kind of me in the back corner there, just slipping my little hand up. It's actually walking up, getting out of your seat. You're going to have to get through some of this crowd, by the way. You're going to actually have to push some people out the way, maybe give them a bit of a kick or something. If you feel a bit embarrassed to come up on your own, bring a friend. Bring a friend. I'm going to ask you to come up. I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and come and stand in front of this platform before the cross of Jesus, quietly and reverently and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I want you in my life. You are the Son of God. If you are who you say you are, Jesus, would you come and bring the change that I need? I want to be for life to change. And I receive you as my Lord and my Saviour. You know, when Jesus called people out, He called people out a lot publicly. That's why this morning, I think it's a great opportunity. It's a little bit public. Don't be afraid of that. Be courageous about it. Be strong about it. Be bold about it. This is what I'm doing today. Maybe, you've, maybe you have at some, at some point put your hand up, but you've never really, really sensed or surrendered fully to Him. And you know you've got to do that. And you know by getting out of your seat and coming up the front, you really are going to be doing that. You mean serious business. Then I'm going to give you that opportunity we are going to sing we're going to stand and you can climb over the seats you can as I said push people out the way that's gentle you know in in Jesus name (laughs) and come on up the front here and I'm kind of privileged to pray with you and to pray for you so why don't we stand together We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz or visit our website.